Have you ever in your entire life seen anything so beautiful? I'm sorry, I don't know anything about stamps. Live from the headquarters of the only podcast bold enough to hold a mirror on the stamp market. Oh, wait, aren't, aren't we the ones that tell tube sock jokes? <laughs> this is the award-winning stamp show here today, episode number 205. Brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. This is Tom. This is Scott. This is Mark. <clears throat> Excuse me, you... Uh, ah! this... this is Cash, and I uh, had my mouth full of uh, Mauna Loa organic all-natural dry-roasted macadamia nuts with sea salt. I'm sorry, available on Amazon and your best grocery stores. I think it's Mauna. Mauna. Yeah. Mauna Loa. You're holding out on me, Cash. You know, they make good gifts, too. Oh. Thank you. And I'm your host, Dawn. Today, we are discussing the Spanish-American War and the resulting overprints. But first, since uh, Cash has a mouthful of... uh, Macadamia Nuts, I'd like to send a quick shout out to Richard. He was one of the winners of our contest back in November. And as a thank you for receiving his stamp, he sent us a gift box full of Macadamia Nuts. From Hawaii. From Hawaii. So hopefully that's like right off the farms. Yeah. And it's by the Hershey Company and they have a lot of money for advertising. So let's see if they want to advertise a stamp podcast. Because that has a lot to do with nuts. <laughs> oh, wait, it does. It's us. Oh, yes, it does. So, Richard, thank you very much. I hope you enjoy your stamp, and uh, we will enjoy our nuts. Thank and you very much. You Thank you. Well, on February 6th... the Spanish-American War ended with the Treaty of Paris, a peace treaty between the United States and Spain. The war was fought between the United States and Spain in 1898. Hostilities began in the aftermath of the explosion of the USS Maine in Havana Harbor in Cuba. The explosion led to an American intervention in the Cuban War of Independence. Independence revolts had been occurring for some years in Cuba against Spanish rule. The U.S. later backed these revolts upon entering the Spanish-American War. There had been war scares before, as in the Virginius Affair in 1873, which was a diplomatic dispute between the United States, the United Kingdom, and Spain. The Virginius was a fast American ship hired by Cuban insurrectionists to land men and munitions in Cuba to attack the Spanish regime there. It was captured by the Spanish who wanted to try the men on board as pirates and execute them, many of whom were American or British citizens. The Spanish managed to execute 53 of the men, but stopped upon demands from the British government. Yeah, because the U.S. government didn't matter. Apparently not. 
The U.S. consul ended the episode by negotiating $80,000 in reparations to be paid to the families of the Americans who were executed. Later, in the 1890s, U.S. public opinion was agitated by anti-Spanish propaganda led by newspaper publishers such as William Randolph Hearst. He's got a really nice castle. Yes. Been there. Actually, really short beds. And he has... Never paid attention to the beds there. And oh. you can go there and buy Maualoa macadamia nuts. I bet you can. Maunaloa. Maunaloa macadamia nuts. The best macadamia nuts on the market. You cannot get those at Hearst Castle. Maybe you can. Yep. Only, you if you bring, only if you bring them with us. You get Hershey's chocolate. The business community across the United States had just recovered from a deep depression and fearing that a war would reverse the gains, lobbied vigorously against going to war. Think Hershey was part of that? Maybe. When the United States Navy armored cruiser USS Maine mysteriously sunk in Havana Harbor, the political pressures pushed President William McKinley into a war that he had wished to avoid. On April 20th, 1898, President McKinley signed a joint congressional resolution demanding Spanish withdrawal from Cuba and authorized the president to use military force to help Cuba gain independence. In response, Spain severed diplomatic relations with the United States the next day, which then saw the U.S. Navy begin a blockade of Cuba. How do you blockade all of Cuba? It's an island, and it's not small. I mean, it's not huge, but it's... Really what it was is they just wanted to center in on blocking off their macadamia nut imports. Oh, my goodness. And there's only a few places that you can land. Macadamia nuts. Right. Yeah, because you can't carry macadamia nuts over rocks and stuff. It's got to be at a port. The greatest macadamia nuts, by the way, are Maualona Loa macadamia nuts. All natural, organic. If you can't can't pronounce it right, they're (laughs) never going to back you. I'm sorry, Hershey. Please forgive me, Hershey. On April 23rd, Spain stated that it would declare war if the U.S. forces invaded its territory. To which Congress declared that a de facto state of war between the U.S. and Spain had existed since the day the blockade of Cuba had begun. We're going to declare on war on you. Oh, we already did. Sorry. You're too late. (laughs) We're already at war. It's like, I quit. Now you're fired. (laughs) Wait, what? The war lasted 10 weeks and was fought in the Caribbean and the Pacific. Cuba is a much bigger island than I thought. (laughs) U.S. naval power proved decisive, allowing expeditionary forces to disembark in Cuba against a Spanish garrison already facing nationwide Cuban insurgent attacks and yellow fever. A deadly combination, so I've heard. Oh, the yellow fever really... I mean, the insurgents were blockading everything, but what really got them was the yellow fever. American, Cuban, and Philippine forces obtained the surrender of the cities of Santiago de Cuba and Manila after fierce fighting, including the Battle of San Juan Hill. Yay, TR. American, Cuban, and Philippine forces obtained the surrender of the cities of Santiago de Cuba and Manila after fierce fighting including the Battle of San Juan Hill. Spain sued for peace after two obsolete Spanish squadrons were sunk in Santiago, Cuba, 
and in Manila Bay. A third, more modern Spanish fleet was recalled home to protect the Spanish coasts. Actually, it was called home to protect the Spanish fleet. <laughs> they, they wanted to get them uh, back home where they were safe. Yeah, because they were afraid we were going to invade Spain. Well, no. At, at the Battle of Manila, and you know this being a naval person. Well, not only that, my great-grandfather. I have actually a photograph of my great-grandfather in 1898 in his military uniform taken in Manila. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, but they uh, they sunk the Spanish fleet without... I mean, they took some casualties, but it was very minor. They lost zero ships. You know, basically the Spanish fleet just... So, the Spanish fleet uh, run themselves aground so that people wouldn't drown when their ships sunk. They knew that they were going down, so they ran as much... Uh, as many ships aground as possible to save the crews. While the war ended in 1898 with the Treaty of Paris, negotiated on terms very favorable to the United States, which allowed it to control Cuba, Puerto Rico, Guam, and the Philippine Islands. The cession of the Philippines involved payment of $20 million to Spain by the U.S. to cover infrastructure owned by Spain. And that would be approximately $602 million today. Yep. A cheap purchase. Now I hear tell... So now the grand question is, what does this have to do with stamps? I hear they did some overprints. One or two. Yep. Or three or four. Yeah. Or five or ten. The 1899 overprints of uh, Guam, Puerto Rico, Philippines. Well, I personally... And Cuba. Yeah. And Cuba. Don't forget Cuba. Yeah. I personally uh, collect Philippines and Guam. So Cuba is a little out of my bailiwick, and so is uh, Puerto Rico, although I know the stories about them. Well, the the interesting thing is a lot of the uh, early Cuban stamps look very similar to a lot of the early Philippine stamps. Oh, very much so. Yeah. They use the same stamps. Just about, yeah. They called it the, uh, they didn't call it Cuba, they called it the uh, Caribbean Archipelago. And so uh, the Spanish stamps that were used in the Philippines were also the ones that were used in Puerto Rico and Cuba. And the only way to tell them apart is by their cancels. Unfortunately, they had this really common sort of honeycomb cancel they used. And everybody used it, so it's very difficult if you find the, the uh, honeycomb stamp. Everybody just attributes it to Cuba, when in actuality it could be from anybody. And uh, that was because uh, Queen Isabel, um, so, and she, there's a long story Isabella about that. Isabella. 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 I'm sorry, Isabella. Uh, there's a long story about that, too. And the Philippines eventually made their own stamps, but uh, it was only because they couldn't get enough stamps from Spain because it was so far away. Uh, they had regular ships going to Cuba and Puerto Rico, not so much to the Philippines. It was a lot further to travel. Yeah. And, and there was really no real big trade. I mean, Cuba and Puerto Rico had a lot of sugar along with some other stuff. Philippines, not so much. Well, they have mangoes. And uh, I heard that they were developing a very, very large uh, macadamia nut trade. Stick fighting is really big in the Philippines, too. Oh, so is jackfruit. 
if you want to go back and listen to that episode. <laughs> so what do the overprints look like? Uh, uh, nope. He asks rhetorically. <laughs> They're black. They identify the country. And they usually have a surcharge or a revaluation. Well, no, only for Cuba. They revalued the Cuban stamps. Everybody else, they Im- implemented uh, U.S. dollars into the economy. True. How did they apply the overprints? They were typographed, I believe. So you can actually see the imprint of the overprint on the back of the stamp on, mm-hmm. on mint stamps, right? Yes. And that's a big way to uh, tell if they're counterfeit or not because one of the uh, when I was growing up, one of the ways that people counterfeited these stamps was really just sticking it in a typewriter and typing Philippines over the front of it. And the typewriter obviously does not transfer the ink the same way that a typograph printer uh, does. Yeah, there's that, and then also trying to find a typewriter with the, that'll match the font. Yeah. yeah, especially but, for the Philippines. Yeah, that, that which, was a, which the le- letters are very narrow. Right. Uh, most typewriters ha- have no similarity in the way the letters look. That yeah. might have worked for Guam because that was a pretty common looking Gu- font. Guam fake overprints are probably the most difficult of the bunch to tell. Hmm. And they're also the scarcest. Uh, Guam, as can be expected, you know, a small island didn't have nearly the uh, postal requirements as the Philippines or or the uh, Puerto Rico or Cuba. So a lot of the Guam stamps that you see that are overprinted, there's only about three different cancels, and most of them are mint, although the tropical situation kind of destroyed their gum. Uh, so you see a lot of no-gum ones. But when you find them with gum... That is a real winner for the stamps of Guam. Now, only a few are printed. I mean, you know, relatively small numbers. Some of these were like 5,000 stamps printed. And yet uh, the catalog value is only, you know, like less than $200. Oh, yeah. So it seems like um, a pretty small catalog value compared to the fact that there's so few out there. If you collect rare stamps, if you just want to have a collection of rare stamps, the... Uh, three cent and above values of the Guam overprints, they exist. You know, there are probably a couple thousand of them out there of each value. And when you get to the high value, the high value is the 50 cent. They figure there's a couple hundred maybe. The high value for Guam is a dollar, isn't it? A dollar, yeah. Which uh, 3,000 were printed. Yeah. Little known fact, I've never been to Cuba. No, neither have I. We can all go. But I have been to the other three. I've spent some time there, but I don't like to talk about it. <laughs> Did you, you get waterboarded? <laughs> You've been to Guam? Yeah. Oh, it's wet. <laughs> I hear. I have never been to Guam. I was invited by a friend who's in the Air Force, and I guess he based out of Guam when he was flying to uh, Japan. And I never took them up on it. And you have to like flying over water to get there. Yeah, I, I guess that's the case. You said Guam in the Air Force, and all I can think of is good morning, Vietnam. Mm. Guam, sir, why Guam? There's nothing going on in Guam. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. Uh, the Guam stamps, uh, very, very rare, very small. You have the Appia 
um, cancel. You have two or three different versions of that, and anything other than Appia is really, really rare. And they are worth more used than mint. Oh, by a lot. Well, yeah. So we do know that the fake overprints exist. Do you see a lot of fake overprints? You just don't see them at all, mostly. Um, it's a, probably about 50-50 when you do see them. Like we were saying, they, they can be difficult to tell, but they're just not common anyway. I mean, how many worldwide collections have you flipped through that have Guam overprinted U.S. stamps? Well, if you open up the page to Guam, there's only like, what, eight stamps for right. the entire country? <laughs> yeah, so rarely, if yeah. ever, do you see them. Right. And this is also the only uh, possession out of the uh, Spanish-American War, which is still part of the United States. Everything else is uh, Puerto Rico is a commonwealth. And then... Uh, but it is still part of the United States. Yeah, technically not. Technically, ne technically, it's a commonwealth. And then, of course, Philippines was a commonwealth for a very, very long time until after World War Two, uh, and then it got its independence. On July 4th. On July 4th, yes. 1945. They have cool first day covers for July 4th. Uh, Philippine, uh, even their stamps, they have this big stamp with liberty on it holding an American flag and a uh, Philippine flag. And... Uh, what Impressive happened with Cuba? How did we let that one go? Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, Cuba we gave to the uh, Cubans insurgents fairly quickly afterwards. There was a big hoodoo that um, United States cannot be an imperial power. I mean, we there were a lot of people yelling and screaming that uh, you know us basing people in uh, Cuba and Mil uh, Philippines and stuff. That was just like really, really bad. So you can, if if you want to collect rare stamps, you can collect these overprinted possessions and at a fairly reasonable price because not a lot of people collect them, but still have a, 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 st a substantially rare stamp collection. And then the other thing is for Puerto Rico and for Cuba, the stamps are relatively common. You can find them. But what you want to do is you want to look for the military postmarks. And the military postmarks are easily differentiated. It'll either have the word military or it'll have MIL period. So it'll be like MIL period Santiago, something like that. Those are premium items and people don't look for them. So if you go through uh, a stock of Cuba or Puerto Rico, look for the military posts. A normal Cuban stamp on cover uh, from the 1899 overprint issue, a normal stamp on cover maybe will cost like five bucks. A military can cancel will be thirty dollars plus, depending on where it came from. And some of the rare military stations are worth several hundred dollars. So it is something out there for people to look for. These are very very scarce. And so while the uh, while the stamps were replaced with regular U.S. stamps after 1901, is there any premium if you see um, the overprinted stamps on envelopes uh, after 1901? Yeah, I'm sure. Or does it make a difference? Yeah, I, I I haven't seen any go to for auction that have had any really major premium. I think the stamps were used all the way up to 1905. You can find 1905 stamps pretty common. 
Oh, one cool thing is, though, the best stamps that I've seen are if you can find uh, the Trans-Mississippi issue was issued at the pretty much the same time as these overprints. And in Puerto Rico and uh, a couple other places, but really Puerto Rico, somebody brought down a whole bunch of the uh, Trans-Mississippi stamps because they didn't have enough five cent and eight cent stamps. And so you can find the five cent Trans-Mississippi with like military Puerto Rico cancels. That's a major find. And they're out there and you can find them. You could probably pick one up for 50 bucks and it's probably worth a couple hundred dollars. So uh, that's another thing to look for. It's just they ran out of stamps and then used the Trans-Mississippis. So cool stuff. Plus, it's got a great history. I mean, the War of 1890, or 1899, 1898, the Spanish-American War, it had Teddy Roosevelt doing all his stuff. It had all the naval engagements. It had uh, insurrection in Cuba. It also started the insurrections in uh, the Philippines. You had a big, huge guerrilla war in the Philippines going on. So this is a really cool, if you want to go to uh, Wikipedia and just read some of the stories on it, it's, it's really a very interesting time period. Well, now we're going to do something we've been a little bit remiss on is, I think in December, the new stamps for 2019 came out for the United States. And we're usually all about talking about them and sometimes bashing them and sometimes complimenting them, mostly bashing, I think. Well, I mean, the, um, uh, the post office does need to we've also been up rem- its game. We've also been a little remiss in my uh, doing the, uh, the new stamp issues release. So we're going to cover a few of the stamps we've already missed for January. I think we've already missed eight, and I think there's already stamps coming out in February that I'm going to be behind on. So... Uh, let's uh, get into discussing some of those and seeing what we think. First one we're going to discuss is uh, Gregory Hines has a forever stamp that just came out. And uh, for those who may not know, he was a very awesome comedian and also a very good tap dancer. An awesome tap dancer. Yep. The stamp shows him with his tap shoes on. Yes. Yeah, he actually... actually there's actually context cash. Yes. He's wearing tap shoes. Yeah, and he has like his shoe up showing the bottom of the so shoe. That so that you can see that it is a, indeed a tap shoe. Right. This stamp, I think they did a really, really good job on. They show him. They show him in a sort of entertainment outfit. And they show him sh- just a little thing of lifting the shoe up to show the taps on the bottom. I think this really incorporates a lot of the design that we've really criticized the post office for. I think they did a really, really good job on this one. Well, and this one was issued on January 28th in New York, and uh, it is a self-adhesive paint of 20 forever stamps. And uh, the description for the stamp is Gregory Hines is honored on the 42nd stamp in the Black Heritage series. His unique style of tap dancing injected new artistry and excitement into the traditional American form. A versatile performer who danced, acted, and sang on Broadway, on television, and in movies, Hines developed the entertainment traditions of tap into an art form for a younger generation and is credited with renewing interest in tap during the 1990s. Art director Derry Noyes designed the stamp, which features a 1988 photograph by Jack Mitchell. You know, look at stamp. You know, the first time I got introduced to Gregory Hines was uh, when I saw the movie Cotton Club mm-hmm. back in the mid-'80s. 
for me, it was Running Scared with him and Billy Crystal, yep. which is just hilarious to this day. Although I'm, I'm kind of curious. I, I understand why they put it under Black History or Black Heritage. They also could could have put this under uh, Legends. Of, well, I guess they couldn't put it under Legends of Hollywood because he they're pushing his dance part, not really his movie career. Well, but if you look at his movie career, oh, it's it huge. was not insignificant. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, he could have. Ver- this could very easily have been a stamp for uh, Legends of Hollywood. Exactly. Or, I mean. Well, I mean, he could have been Legends of Hollywood. He could have been. Uh, don't they have some comedy series out there? I don't know if they're still doing those. Or those? Were, oh, absolutely. Those were... Is that an ongoing series comedy? I don't know. I don't know either. He was also really good in that movie White Knights with um, Mikhail Bergman. Oh yeah, that's the one when uh, whenever I see dance videos, you know, they do the mix-ups. You always see Gregory Hines with him uh, doing the. Uh, Jump and then sliding across the floor. Uh, I'm not doing it anywhere close to justice. It, it was a, <laughs> it was a fantastic move between the two of them. It was just fantastic. He, yeah. he was a great dancer. Yep. Yeah. Rent White Knights. Well, next up, we're going to discuss the Uncle Sam's Hat additional ounce, fifteen cent rate stamp. This was issued on January 27th in Kansas City. And all the praise that we gave for the last stamp, just take the opposite and apply it to this one. Well, this comes in a uh, self-adhesive coil of 100. And uh, the reason for this is among the 2019 postal rate changes, the additional per ounce rate for first class was reduced from 21 cents to 15 cents per ounce. So my penguin went down in value. Hold on. The... Additional ounce went down. Yeah, it yes. went down six cents, but the, the first, first cla- the, the first, first ounce rate went up, went up five, five cents. cents. Yeah, but I send heavy stuff. I gotta look up my postal rates again. And this is why we discuss things like this on the podcast. Yeah, well, I, have, I have a well, significant investment in the penguin one ounce rate stamps, <laughs> and I've lost money. <laughs> Well, to meet this rate, the Postal Service brought back the design that was first used in 2017 when the add-on rate was 21 cents. That we criticized back then for being stupid. The primary difference will be the fact that it will bear a 2019 year date instead of the previous 2017 year date. Known especially for his large top hat decorated in varying patterns of stars and stripes, Uncle Sam has symbolized the American spirit for more than 150 years. The postal people tell us the stamp features eight graphic top hats in Uncle Sam's signature style with red, white, and vertical stripes above a blue band with a white star and a gray brim. Beneath each hat is an oval shape representing a face, each in a different shade meant to suggest the ethnic and racial diversity of the United States. So if you didn't know that your additional per ounce rate went down like cash didn't, you know that these stamps are available for purchase for additional ounce so uh good news bad news good news the rate went down bad news still a crappy stamp (laughs) well the first probably what would this be definitive stamp yes of uh 2019 the u.s flag 55 cent forever rate booklet and coil Uh, it's very similar similar to a uh, commemorative stamp that they had a couple of years ago well, this was put out January 27th in Kansas City, and it is available in coils of 100 or booklet panes of 20. 
The U.S. flag on the new 2019 stamp features the most recognizable symbol of the United States, as it can be seen in one of several of the flagpoles near the end of Chicago's Navy Pier, waving in a May breeze. This photograph was taken by art director Antonio Alcala. Hmm. Most recognized symbol yep. is a flag. Like a June breeze. I'm not going to. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a June breeze. I I also don't think it's the well, most. Well, it's recognized later in symbol. spring, so it's not in like a lion. So it's not like a March breeze because ah. there's some waves in the flag. It's not straight out. Right. It is a cool looking picture though. They did a good job on it. Sometimes you just get lucky. Yeah. I still think a more recognizable symbol is uh, like Justin Bieber or something like that. He's Canadian. He's Canadian. I know, but he's still a more <laughs> recognized symbol of the United States than this. <laughs> The last stamp today we're going to discuss is the California Dog Face Non-Machinable Butterfly Stamp. Say also, that three times fast. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I could barely say it one time normal. Uh, this was also put out on January 27th in Kansas City, and this is in a self-adhesive pane of 20. The California Dog Face graces the seventh non-machinable butterfly stamp for use on irregularly irregularly sized envelopes. Wow. Mouthful of there. Such as square greeting cards, invitations, or announcements. The stamp art was digitally created using images of preserved butterflies as a starting point. The result is a highly stylized, simplified image of a California dog face, which is the Zarene Eurydice, if you need to know the scientific name, rather than an exact replica. Nationally known artist Tom Engman created the stamp art, and art director Derry Noriez designed the stamp. So if you send birthday cards with, like, embellishments on them that, like, poke out, then this is the stamp you would use. Yes. Because it's a non-machinable. Yep. Yes. Or if you send a, somebody a pen through the mail, it gets to uh, thicker than a quarter of an ounce, you have to put one of these on it. Thicker than quarter, thicker than quarter of an ounce. Thicker than quarter of an, more than quarter of an ounce. You have yeah, to put a quarter of an ounce. How, how thick is a quarter of an ounce? Well, actually, yeah. when you go to quarter, the post office, of an inch. Of I know of that. An yeah. <laughs> I want to see how long. Come on, I want to see how long. Uh, I, I wanted to see how long right. I could get him to drag that out. <laughs> okay. So then it becomes a package. <laughs> quarter. Is of that an, like making the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs? <laughs> yeah. Quarter of an inch. And for everybody who deals with eBay, you know this because uh, you'll see the. Postal clerk take out their little piece of cardboard and shove it through the little slot. And if it goes through the slot, they yeah. charge normal price. And if That's it right. doesn't, they charge dollar extra. signs. You know, roll under their eyeballs. Oh, yeah. and then <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get them for a dog face butterfly stamp here. Which, when I was looking at this, it reminds me of a, a picture that had a bunch of butterflies on it that Don showed me. And uh, in the middle of it, it had a VW bug with a pin through it. So it was like. Bugs and then a bug. I've seen those. Yeah. yeah. Now, Tom, do you know if the non-machinable rate went down? I think it did. Yeah, it doesn't from say. seventy-one to uh, seventy. This doesn't say. Uh, I thought it went down to seventy. Please that would hold. be just equal to the two-ounce rate then. So why would they need a separate non-machinable versus a just an additional ounce one? Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Let's get the fact checkers on this. I'm pulling it up here. Let's see what it says here. Oh, great. It's not really obvious. It gives a description. Basically, it's uh, weird-shaped stuff. But it doesn't say that. It just says it costs more. It doesn't say the amount. Well, thank you very much, website. You were useless. 
I see all the flat rates and the priority mail rates, but I don't see the non-machinable rate anywhere. We'll get back to that on the, probably the next episode. Yeah. <laughs> so one ounce non-machinable, it used to be kind of close to the two ounce rate. Right. It was 71 cents 70 last year. It's 70 cents now. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. It's down no, to okay. 70 cents. So it's... It's the it's the two so ounce. So it's rate. the same as the two ounce rate. Yeah. yeah. So if it's one ounce irregular, you just pay for an extra ounce. But then it wouldn't. I mean, you could pay for it using a forever stamp on the one ounce stamp, but it's still it's it that doesn't indicate it's non machinable. So the clerk themselves would have to. So if you wanted to ship Mauna Loa all natural dry roasted macadamia nuts and sea salt. Right, you crushed. would have to crush them to, to <laughs> be less than a quarter either. Of an you inch. could crush them down to a quarter of an ounce, quarter of an inch, <laughs> a quarter of an inch, <laughs> ah. <laughs> quarter of an inch, or you could leave them whole and pay seventy cents. Yeah, why Hershey doesn't sponsor this podcast is a mystery to me. Probably because I keep mixing up ounces with inches. I think I blew it. Hershey, forgive me. So since we don't know the difference between ounces and inches, um, (laughs) what do you think of the butterfly? What do you you guys think of the butterfly? I kind of like it. He's yellow and black with some blue spots. You know, uh, it's the same as all the other ones. It's you know, it's a continuation of a series. It'd be nicer. It would be nicer, I think, rather than the stylized, to actually have maybe a picture of it in its environment. Yeah. Well, they've done that before, but um, again, this matches the other stamps. And it might be nice to have a collection of these butterflies, yeah. you know, the, the I don't know, 10 or 12 or so that have been issued so far. Yeah, I just wish they'd do something. You know, people, uh, people are interested in dinosaurs far more than butterflies. If they wanted to really make something cool, you could have a different dinosaur on each one. You know, dinosaur rate. Yeah, dinosaur rate. Or, uh, I don't know, classic cars. You might do that, although I, you know, that's a distant second from dinosaurs. But the other thing, too, is this is used on like invitations and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's tough to put, you know, a Tyrannosaurus Rex stamp on your wedding invitation. But it'd be great to use. uh Dinosaur stamps on the over-the-hill birthday invitations. Oh, that would be great. You're going extinct. <laughs> yeah. We should get an apple pie stamp to ship food. Yeah. I have pears for that. Or a chicken stamp to yeah. ship chicks. Right. Yeah. Live animals. My uh, chicken collection is expanding quite a bit. Well, next week, uh, some other stamps that already came out. We'll discuss the, uh, the Hearts Blossom, the Year of the Boar which has no bores, but we'll get to that. And it does. The it does. Oh, it has one. Okay, fine. But it is not part of the main design. Uh, and the Bethesda Fountain Express Mail Stamp and the Joshua Tree Priority Mail Stamp. Which I really like those two. We'll discuss those more yeah. next week. And then since we're probably going to miss it, uh, coming out in February 15th is the Cactus Flower Stamp. And uh, when are we posting these? We're a week ahead now? We're a week ahead. So if we... Alabama Statehood? Alabama Statehood, February 23rd. So... Well, the next podcast after this will be our 
APS winter show wrap up. So uh, we'll have a lot of stuff from the APS. I'm actually working with people who are working at the show to be on some of the boards that are open. They're having open board discussions on stuff. And uh, we're going to try to have some recording apparatus there to record them. So we'll get caught up. Yep. We got a few more to go. Um, after that, we're safe until March with the star ribbon stamp. But uh, we will discuss them and get to the new issues and such like that uh, continuing the next week or so. Well, thank you for listening. This is Stamp Show here today, episode number 205. This was Tom. This is Scott. This was Cash with Monaloa Dry Roasted Macadamia Nuts. And this is Mark. And Dawn unfortunately had to skip out early on us, so she says bye. You have two new voice messages and one safe message. New message. You have been listening to award-winning stamp show here today, brought to you by the Southern Nevada Philatelic Research Center. Produced and edited by Cash Braces, with engineering and recording by Tom Schilling. Script and research by Scott Murphy and Mark Leon. And I'm your host, John Goss. Please subscribe to us on iTunes or Podbean and follow us on Facebook. Visit us at stampshowheretoday.com and thank you for listening. To replay this message, press 1. To delete, press 7. To save, press 9. For message saved. There are no more messages. Stamp Show Here Today. Stamp Show Here Today. Stamp collecting happens.